0: Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Graham Glass, the CEO of Cypher Learning awesome conversation we talk about the neo learning management systems the usefulness of ed tech for schools and universities throughout COVID 19 and uh, and of course beyond skills that uh, teachers need to learn and so much more just wait till you hear us talk about asynchronous learning love it lots to learn today thanks for listening don't forget to share and subscribe enjoy
0: You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with
1: this week's show. It all started with a young boy named Graham Glass who had a tremendous passion for education. Growing up in the UK, Graham was lucky to attend schools where he encountered some great teachers. He enjoyed going to school and learning new things, even thought of choosing teaching as a career. Later on, after finishing university, Graham became a teacher and was a senior lecturer at the University of Texas, where he taught computer science. He gained a good reputation for his teaching skills at UTD and was soon getting offers to teach the same materials at local high-tech companies. Back in those days, learning management systems, LMS, did not exist to help facilitate teaching and engage young learners with their studies. Even then, he was wondering why there wasn't a way to package his instruction materials in a scalable way and make it available to millions of people. Graham built his first company based on his teaching experience and ventured on to corporate training and software products. He founded two more companies related to computer tech and training, but his passion has always remained teaching and education. Even though he spent most of his career in the enterprise software space, there's always been a significant educational component, whether it was teaching at university, writing books, teaching in corporations, or explaining complex topics at seminars. That's why in 2009, he decided to go back to his educational roots by starting a new company called EDU 2.0. The company focused on something that was very close to Graham's heart which was improving education through an innovative e-learning platform. His mission was to provide a better way of facilitating teaching and learning to have a bigger impact on the way people learn and we're going to leave it off there so we can pick up from from that point uh, when we get started. So Graham thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone.
0: Uh, Hi Stephen it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, As he mentioned my name is Graham Glass and I'm the CEO and founder of Cypher Learning.
1: And it's awesome to have you here. So welcome, Graham. And uh, let's start by talking about something that I read in your bio. As a kid, you had a love for learning. What excited you? And if you could focus on one thing to learn, what was it? What was that one thing you really liked?
0: Um, It was science fiction. So I used to read a lot when I was a kid. And uh, I used to walk down to the library because, unfortunately, there was no internet in those days. I'd walk down to the public library and find um, a few really good science fiction books like uh, Isaac Asimov Foundation Trilogy and I would go home and I would consume them and then later on that night I'd turn on and watch Star Trek. So the idea of learning about the future and dreaming about being in space and using computer technology, that was the thing that I really liked the most from a learning perspective.
1: That's awesome. So so I got to say, when you say Star Trek, are we talking original series or Next Generation?
0: Original series. There's, right. no, there's no better. And I'll tell you what, I love Next Generation as well. And I love a lot the Star Trek. But a few years ago, I went back and started going through some of the, the oldies, but goodies, the original. And they're still fantastic. I, I'm still very impressed by how good that series was.
1: It's cool. And then it? it's, it's neat. I, I, I love the original series and, uh, and it is cool. I can watch them and uh, they really did a, a good job with, you know, Roddenberry did an awesome job with a storyline. So yeah. good stuff. The uh, um, so thank you for answering that though. I was curious. I, <laughs> I like next generation too, but this yeah, I'm, I'm stuck on the, uh, the original. Um, so, so awesome. Now one of the things I want to make sure that I ask is you have developed several technology companies over the years, what is it that attracted you to technology as a business? Although I'm kind of seeing some of that pathway there.
0: Yeah, well, the, the, the first time I really got into hands-on, uh, hands-on technology when I was a kid, learning how to program uh, a calculator. So uh, I always liked any kind of building things. So I would say one of my core loves is building things. But the nice thing with a, a calculator is you could write a computer program to play, say, Dungeons and Dragons, which is another favorite thing of mine, And it was an incredibly rewarding experience, especially how do you compact something like a game into a small space like a calculator? So my very positive early programming experiences kind of led me down the computer science track. So I was making money uh, on the side, writing medical software for a local doctor. Then I ended up getting my undergraduate degree in computer science uh, in the University of Southampton. So all of that time, I was honing my skills as a software engineer. And when you get good at software engineering, you realize there's many, many things you can build, whether it happens to be a learning platform, enterprise software. So I realized that this is the best way for me to make money. And then it was really a question about what area do I focus on, something which I I really love to do.
1: Very cool. Awesome. And, and, And before I move on, I've got to... I've got to ask this. So it's really cool about the building things. And uh, just as a side note for the audience that uh, is, this is all gonna be audio. So it's, it's okay to tell them that um, you, you build Lego sets, very giant Lego sets. So.
0: Yeah, so, so myself and my brother-in-law, we both really like Lego. And, and I've got a young kid now. So me building Lego uh, sets also kind of exposes him to that concept. But yeah, I find it very relaxing. Like a lot of people like to go to the spa to relax. And actually, building a complicated Lego set, I find a very relaxing zen like experience
1: awesome awesome so and you said something else that i got to make sure I, I get into here because you said that you like the d and d world and yeah. uh, so do you still in the in and now do you do you play any of the modern versions of it or
0: yeah i so i don't play i don't play d and d anymore because i don't have enough time, but you know <laughs> in in the old days. I, I was a dungeon master, so I used to come up with the the layouts, the the castles, the hidden trapdoors, etc. But one thing that I found is my skill in becoming a dungeon master is really good. To, really good experience for story time with my my little boy. Nice. So so rather than just reading a regular book, uh, we I actually make up a, a really intricate, complicated story in my head, and he and I will kind of go through underground caverns and deep sea diving and finding hidden trapdoors. So that's how I kind of get out my creative D&D side these days.
1: Now, that's cool. That's awesome. And I could, I could see that too, because, uh, you know, it's uh, having played Dungeons and Dragons and I always died. I,
0: I know, I, <laughs> well, everyone dies in the end. Stephen. Yeah, that's true. In D&D, <laughs> it's a question about, do you With... get killed by a troll in the first hour or do you, you know, drown in quicksand in, in day three?
1: Yes, I always annoyed the dungeon masters, so eventually they just got rid of me. You know, it's like fine, you're done. You know, a, but I love it. I love that idea, though, that it's it's created that world for you to create the stories for your sons. Their son, that's so cool. Um, You know, so what I'd like to do, Graham, is let's let's talk about this because I I see where that connection happens. But can you talk a little bit about? You know, taking the technology and moving into the education sector, how that all came about, and just kind of
0: yeah. So, um, so I just I had sold um, my previous company, so I had some you know money in my bank, and I was trying to decide what's the next company that I do, and I and I had fond memories of when I was teaching um, at UT Dallas and teaching in industry, and the idea that I should be able to create some educational materials and make them available in a scalable way to potentially millions of people, always attracted me. So back in 2009, I took a survey of what are the platforms like that, you know, professors and business people have to use. So I, w- I was looking at the latest versions of all the, you know, well-known learning platforms, and I, and I wasn't impressed. I thought, you know, these they could be so much better and so much more attractive, so much more powerful and innovative. And so then I, so then I started thinking... Maybe I could create a learning platform that would be kind of like the one that I always wanted. And one of the trends you'll often find, I mean, not all the time, but a lot of companies are successful when the founder is essentially scratching an itch. They're building something for themselves, but a side effect is it's popular for a lot of other customers. But one of the dilemmas for myself was, if I do this, do I focus on K-12 as the as the, um, the marketplace, do I focus on the higher ed? Do I focus on businesses? And uh, because I had really good experience uh, in, in all the market sectors, I decided to do what was probably the most ambitious thing, and it actually worked out good, which is to create a single underlying platform, just a cycle learning platform, and then have branded versions for each primary market sector. So we have an LMS called Neo for K through 20, The same platform, but rebranded with different configuration items called Matrix, and you can probably see the naming trend here, Matrix for businesses, and then recently one called Indie for entrepreneurs. So in the end, I decided, number one, this is something that I always wanted for myself. That was a key aspect. Number two, putting on my business hat, a very large total addressable market because we're covering K through 20 and the business space. And it's a large market. It's a multi-billion dollar a year market. So there's plenty of room for growth. So that was in the end what I decided to do. I did consider other things more to do with artificial intelligence and learning assistance. But there's this thing you probably know about called the innovator's dilemma. If you create something too advanced, then a lot of people will write about it, but they won't necessarily pay for it. So I decided to build something with a clear marketplace but with the longer term goal of introducing a lot of that futuristic stuff through the actual platform itself.
1: That's all. That's awesome. Do you, do you run into I, By the way, I like what you're talking about that innovators dilemma. You know, you just, you don't want to be a, the, the piece that they're all going, oh, ah, and, but yeah. staying at a distance. So how, how do you kind of move it out of that? If, if you get that in the beginning, how do you, is there a way of, do you kind of nudge it?
0: Yeah, so it's, and, and this is something which Apple is very good at doing, by the way. So as a, a little aside, Apple really wants to get into uh, augmented reality and virtual reality. And people like Google are all doing it, well, they attempted to do it through Google Glass. So they were primarily doing that, taking your eyes as the first step. But what Apple is doing right now is very clever. It's releasing some new headphones, which have some augmented reality capabilities, So you wear these headphones and these headphones can make sounds come from anywhere. Uh They have a built-in like LiDAR, so they can map your room out. So even the headphones know what's surrounding you. But there's gonna be a visor attachment that can drop down so that if you want the additional visual, you can. So one of the things going back to the dilemma is if you see a future that you want, the question is how do you get there in a way that brings along everyone along with you? So what I decided to do was, create the Cypher learning platform. We've got millions of users around the world every day using the system. And then we're gradually introducing capabilities related to artificial intelligence through the platform. So rather than starting with AI, we've got a very nice platform um, and then we're introducing the the innovations gradually through that.
1: Excellent, excellent.
0: so can you get a little, little bit
1: more about where, so all of this eventually become, it, you know, becomes Cypher. So can you just kind of walk us through where that concept came from? I mean, just, the, just what Cypher is now and, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. So, um, so in the very early days, we, didn't, we, we weren't called Cypher Learning. We were called EDU 2.0, um, which I thought was a good idea, but it wasn't. But the reason for that was because everyone was talking about Web 2.0. So this is 2009, it's like web 2.0, there's gonna be these new technologies. And I've always been thinking about next generation education. So I thought EDU 2.0 was a good idea. But unfortunately, it's really hard to say. And and people wouldn't remember it. And then then when we bifurcated and we said, well, here's our platform for school, and here's the LMS for businesses, then it became EDU 2.0 for school and EDU 2.0 for business. And then pretty soon I thought, you know, we, we need to stop this and we have, need to come up with a new scheme. So, so what we did is that we, we've, we renamed EDU 2.8 for school became Neo, which is really easy to remember. I'm a huge fan of the movie Matrix and Neo actually means new. So I thought Neo is super easy to remember. It definitely it means new. It conjures up images of next generation stuff. So. So, so NEO became our platform for schools and universities, and it's doing fantastically around the world. Um, it's being uh, adopted uh, instead of a lot of the, the major platforms whose names I won't mention because it always sounds too marketing. Um, so NEO has been used all around the world, 40 different languages, 100 different countries, um, and, and that's kind of our flagship for K-20. through 20. But uh, but then shortly thereafter, EDU 2.0 for business, which is not catchy at all, just became Matrix. And Matrix, once again, is actually a little bit of a business term. People talk about uh, Matrix reporting structures. It has a little bit of a business feel. But because of the movie, it always has a little tinge of uh, futurism thrown in. So Matrix has become our platform for businesses, and that's very popular. It's used by banks, pharmaceutical companies, um, uh, education franchises, uh, all kinds of businesses around the world. Um, And then Cypher Learning, which is the the name of the company, I chose that because of the guy Cypher in the movie The Matrix. So Cypher is the one who's who's trying to persuade, um, 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 well, he's thinking about becoming like the villain and Agent Smith is trying to say, come over to us. But I thought Cypher was a cool thing because Cypher is like a key to unlocking something. And so I thought it's like a key to unlocking education. So that's a little bit about the story about the naming. So Cypher Learning is the name of the company and Neo LMS, it will say from Cypher Learning or Matrix LMS is from Cypher Learning. But inside the company, there's only one engineering team, one marketing team, one sales team, even though we are actually attacking multiple market sectors.
1: Very cool. And I wondered, you know, as I was, I was researching and reading and, and looking at everything, I'm like, is it my imagination or is there a connection here with Matrix? And so at this point, I don't know whether you have cables attached to the back of you or not. So, I,
0: <laughs> Unfortunately not. But I, I will say as well, just to wrap up the naming things. So the last product we released is a platform for individuals. So there's one of the new upcoming things, especially during lockdown, is people have a lot of skill in a particular area, whether it's how to make a successful podcast or how to make jewelry or um, keep fit. There's lots of different kinds of areas where individuals want to take their knowledge and make it available to a large audience. So there's quite a few companies doing this right now, and so we launched a product which is essentially a subset of Matrix because individuals don't need the full power of enterprise uh, learning features. And that's called Indie, I N D I E, and that's the one name that broke from the the matrix trend just because we couldn't. You know, Morpheus is not going to cut it. <laughs> Trinity is not going to cut it. So, oh, come on! <laughs> uh, I actually did like Trinity, but there's already a Trinity LMS, so uh, we picked Indie.
1: Neat. The uh, yeah. So um, you got me. Uh, got me quiet there for a second. I was trying to think of another connection through the the movies. <laughs> it's like, but uh, so. So what i 'd like to do is can you talk a little bit about what the, your, what your learning systems have to do i mean where, where 's the impact for teachers and students what, uh, how, how does it work for them
0: yeah so so most schools so i 'm going to just focus on k through twenty there 's a whole other conversation related to the trends in business, but in k through twenty it 's still quite traditional, and, and as you probably know, the education market and the education systems move very, very slowly. And even though there's a lot of talk about AI and learning assistance, if you look at the reality, you know, K through 20 is typically subject oriented, like I teach math, I teach German, I teach physics. It's not, it's moving away from that rapidly in Finland, who's always been a fantastic innovator. But in most countries, it's subject oriented. It's broken up into, you know, one hour classes. There's still a traditional course that you go through. You know, if you want to be successful in this market, you have to support all of that stuff really, really well. Um, But once you have supported all those kind of things, there's a lot of things that you can do to make things more enjoyable and efficient. So obviously, you and I, we can talk about things like automation, competency-based learning, gamification, which we have probably the best technology of any platform provider in those areas, but you still have to provide a great experience for what people just expect, which is, I'm gonna create a course, the course is gonna have lessons, sometimes known as modules. The lessons are gonna have sections, they're gonna have quizzes and surveys and all this kind of stuff. So one of the first things you have to do to be successful is you have to package up all of the, the, the commonly required features, but in a way that's beautiful and accessible. And one of the things that's always frustrated me is a lot of these learning platform systems do not have good user interfaces. They're still very, they're not that graphical, they're kind of clunky. They're like years behind what you would expect out of any kind of consumer product. So one of the first claims to fame of our systems is they are beautiful. They're like world-class user interface. They're gorgeous. Uh, everything is very graphical. There's a lot of graphical tiles, drag and drop, nicely organized. So, so. The first thing that people notice about our system is they're unusually attractive relative to what they're used to. But then when you go, you know, take off one layer and you look under, under, underneath, there's a lot of um, the innovation like gamification, automation, competency-based learning. And that's another area that we really excel. I,
1: I love this. This is, uh, so do you have like a section that's more popular with the, with the students?
0: Just you mean in terms of our functionality? Yes. Uh, For sure. So gamification is incredibly popular. Um, But one of the things I'll mention just as an aside is, um, you know, first of all, the the general concept of gamification is you give students uh, points and badges and levels and awards as they hit certain milestones. Um, And this has been around a long time. But there's a lot of different ways to do that. So you you have some platforms where the teacher will manually give a badge. They'll say, well done, Johnny, you got, you know, best attendance, for example. And that's like a very simple form of gamification. Um, Or a lot of systems will say, for you to get a badge, you have to complete a course where there's no concept of getting awards while you're taking a course, you just get it at the end, which is how most business gamification systems are set up. So what we did, and this is really partly due to my background in computer science, is we thought, wouldn't it be great if you could give points and badges based on almost anything? So when you first sign up, you get 50 points. When you complete the first lesson, you get 100 points. When you do good in this exam, you get the badge. When you complete the course, you get a certificate. Uh, But maybe you get an an e-commerce coupon to buy something in the store, for example. So what we did is we decided that we were going to build a more general capability called automation into our system. And automation is the concept that anyone with a drag and drop interface can say, when a certain condition is met, perform a certain action. It's a more abstract concept. And then we're going to build gamification on top of automation. So awarding points or a badge is simply one thing that can happen when a, when a certain condition is met. So by doing this, we, we ended up with an extraordinarily versatile um, platform. So for example, as a teacher, you can set up 10 lessons and you can say, you can only get access to lesson three when you complete lesson two. But for you to unlock lesson four, you also have to achieve a certain mastery level in a certain competency. Nice. And then if you're falling behind in a particular competency, automatically reveal a hidden lesson nine, which is kind of a makeup, uh, makeup lesson. But if you're doing really well, then automatically reveal advanced lessons 10, 11, 12. And if you achieve 12, you get a special advanced batch. So hopefully I've given you the, the, the general idea, though, that it's a little bit like D&D again. And this yes. is where... You're creating a whole um, storyline to your class. And I really think that being a teacher, a lot of it is like being a very good storyteller. You create a very compelling story and then you decide at what point in the journey do you unlock. It's like opening the trapdoor, unlock certain advanced material, uh, advanced remedial material, give them certain awards at certain points. So what we've found is teachers normally start with something really simple like, you have to take lessons in order. And then they go, oh, that's interesting. That wasn't, that was quite uh, easy. Let's see what happens when I advance um, certain advanced lessons. And then the the, the students got, start getting more excited because now there is hidden parts of the course that they can unlock. And then they start introducing more and more gamification. And we've got some professors who are doing unbelievable stuff with gamification. Like they name the levels after different levels of, um, of like dragons, for example. Nice, nice. And then, and then all the badges use custom imagery to do with d and D. I'm not kidding. There's this a professor in the Philippines who's like gone beyond what I even That's thought was cool. possible. That's cool. So what you find is, is that students go from being a very flat click, 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 click done to suddenly seeing leaderboards and competing against teams and casting spells and unlocking lessons. And that to me is how these platforms can be. Um, but most platforms don't even support this in the first place. But even for us that we do support, a lot of it is encouraging teachers and showing them what is possible.
1: That's very cool. I, you know, just, just a side note here. I mean, this is what's awesome about it is that when you, yeah you know, cuz you're tap, you're really tapping into the imagination and encourage them to uh to participate as they realize that there's a, there's a bigger world beyond this it's not as predictable as they might think it is in the beginning as some platforms get and that is that is too cool and what uh i i got to ask this so how do you as as the these uh platforms have developed and um over the years how are you brainstorming this and thinking this? Do you have like teams that come together and bring people in to try things out and, or or just, you know, anytime you have that meeting where someone looks at you and go or looks at somebody says, you know, I like that, but no, that's dumb. Yeah. Or something like that.
0: Yeah. So, so the way we work is we're very transparent with our customers. So every quarter, whether it's January, April, so so forth, we release our new roadmap that says, here is everything that we're working on in the next three months but it's not set in stone. So if you want to give us feedback, you can just, anyone can just go, hey, that's a great idea, or can you add this, et cetera. And we've also got a suggestions box where any of our customers at any point can say, I'd really like feature XYZ. So we've, got, we've kind of got a funnel that comes in from our customers. Then we've got the funnel that comes in internally because we have a lot of educators. A lot of our salespeople are, used to be educators. We've got an education technology team. Um, quite a few of our engineers have an educational background so we've got our own ideas about what's going on obviously we monitor the competitors so if somebody comes up with a great idea we'll look at that that's actually the rarest case to be honest <laughs> with you um, it's, it's funny like one of the things we found as a company is when we first started our platform was quite immature it only had a few features and we would see some of the larger competitors and we're like oh my goodness However, are we gonna to get to that level? But we kept going. And then the years went by, and then we got stronger and better. And then we started looking at the competitors like, it's not, they're not that dangerous to us anymore. They're bigger, maybe from a marketing and revenue perspective, but as far as their product, they, they were no longer dangerous. They were no longer something that we, we feared. And now we've got to the point where we just feel like we're way ahead of pretty much everyone. Um, so it's a really great feeling to have. But yeah, going back to your your question about the the roadmap, I would definitely put these into three buckets as well. There is the everyday feature bucket. You know, so, hey, when I give an extra credit, can I have this certain option? These are just bread and butter features and we release these almost every week. Then there are the intermediate ones, which are innovative, but they're not that innovative. So I'll give you an example of one feature which is unique to us, which was inspired by COVID, and it's been a very popular feature. So as more and more people were under lockdown, more and more people spend their time in NEO or platforms in general than being face-to-face. But one of the problems with learning management systems is that when you enter them, you, there's no sense of community. Like, you know there are courses, you know there's people behind there, but nothing's actually happening in real time. So one of the things that we did is we started displaying to people using little pulsing lights, like it's, um, it's a bit like, an, a, you know, um, being a life support. I don't mean to be morbid, but there's a heartbeat. We wanted the idea that the, the platform had a heartbeat. So when you went to your dashboard, on each individual course, there was a little, there's a small flashing light that indicates how much activity is happening there. So when you went in, you would see this, all these kind of glowing lights. Once again, they're not not intrusive. And then when you go into the course, in each module or or lesson, there's flashing lights depending on how much activity is going on with students in those lessons. And there's a scrolling widget that shows you three students just went into lesson one, four students just submitted this, Three three students just submitted to a forum. So now you have a sense of community and activity that no other platform provides. But that was really inspired by our own experience being in lockdown and wanting more, more liveness. So that's the second bucket. The third bucket is the more futuristic thing. So very later on this year, uh, our platforms will have the the concept of your digital learning assistant, which is going to provide recommendations based on what you're interested in, how you're doing, um, other things that we've noticed about you. You'll be able to turn it on and off. So it's there's no. There's no concern really about security or privacy and that kind of thing. But the platform is going to become much more proactive in terms of recommending things than it was in the past. So that kind of goes into the bucket three. And that basically is how we come up with our our roadmaps.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for explaining that. I love it. Let's kind of get into uh, where we are with EdTech in this world that we're in. You know, we've got um, how has EdTech proved useful for schools and universities? through COVID-19? Can you kind well, of it's there? Been,
0: it's been invaluable um, because obviously if you're a teacher and you can't see your, your students face-to-face, you have to use some kind of platform. Um, and then, of course, as a teacher, one of your concerns is how usable is it? Because a lot of people maybe not, aren't used to using this thing on a daily basis. How engaging is it? So, you know, when I say, hey, bye to my students, I want to make sure that they feel enthusiastic and you know looking forward to the next lesson rather than dreading it. And then there's also just the tracking aspects you know I want to be able to see where are all of my students in my lessons how well they are doing at a glance I want to get reporting on if I'm an administrator in a large school I want to say I want to show everyone's progress in all the courses according to certain criteria. So using a platform like Neo kind of gives you the best of all worlds because it's attractive so people can easily use it. There's the COVID-19 inspired um, activity tracking. So you can see what's going on in your classes. Um, and then as, from the teacher's perspective, if they start using things like gamification and automation, then they can set up the storyline that will continue to operate um, even when you know nobody's online. So um, I think it's been invaluable. And I think obviously, I think we've done a great, a great job of providing a feature set that keeps the student engaged.
1: Very. That's you know, it's it's so cool because it is a big part of it. I mean, this and this world is right now. As long as we're in, you know, I I, I like repeating something that somebody said to me one time. I, I was talking to them about something they did before, and uh, and they kept saying we have a name for that. That's uh, called uh, oh, that's so 2019. And and so since since then, in this 2020 world that we're in, um, and wherever it's going. The uh, it's you know it's it's really changed some of these interactions and teachers have had to learn as well as students have had to learn how to uh, become engaged through you know these screens and so forth and it's and it's funny because you know in the beginning in many places you saw this huge transition from in the beginning we're totally not engaging to those who are starting to get it and so forth and it and trying to get in it to the point where the kids are starting to say things like, you know, I'm actually looking forward to that class.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And a lot of it is, is teaching the teachers, honestly. So one of the big shifts has been moving to, from synchronous education where the teacher and the student are in the same room or at least talking at the same time, a shift towards asynchronous learning where the, the instructors and the learners are online at different times. And it definitely requires you to think differently um, you know, I actually think becoming an expert in asynchronous learning is incredibly good for me, career perspective um, because you have to think out the journey, through the learning experience, the learning journey. You map it out just like you would a book or a dungeon if you're into D&D, and you map out the key areas, what you need to measure, what are the gating factors, how do you incent someone to go from part A to part B to part C. And so a lot of our most successful webinars are on moving towards asynchronous learning. Um, and there's actually a taxonomy of different kinds of asynchronous learning that we that we talk about. And, you know, there are still some teachers that when they look at an LMS, they just think about it like it's a great book. You know, that's like the most primitive way of looking at it versus all the way to the other spectrum, which is this is a fantastic way for me to codify a learning experience and guide people through the learning
1: pathway. I, I I like that, and it and I appreciate you explaining the asynchronous because that's a that's an interesting thought. I've heard about it, but not really. I don't know if I've really taken time to understand it. And I uh, that's you can see where that's coming. And and let's kind of keep looking towards the future. I mean, we're as you know, you're talking about the asynchronous and teachers learning how to be in this world as well as students. What sort of things do you think are probably going to be uh, you know kind of stuff that teachers from here on out thanks to this world that we've been in, are going to have to become adept at?
0: Well, I, I really think that the learning assistant system is, is the key part. So people have talked a lot about um, personalized digital education. In other words, number one, you do a lot of your learning through, through a platform. And you know, personally, like I'm really into this band called OK Go. They're an unbelievable rock band, but they, they're very well known for creating these incredible videos. So one of, the, one of their videos, Upside Down, Inside Out, they filmed in zero G in Russia.
1: Nice.
0: <laughs> and they, they figured out a way to do a single song, which takes about three to four minutes, in a single take in zero G. That's all I'm going to say. But if you look up OK Go, Upside Out, Inside Out, um, it, it's incredible. But one of the things I decided, how do they do that? Because it's not it's not easy. And so I spent about two hours yesterday watching all the videos of behind the scenes, how OK did that, uh, OK Go did it. And that was, that was me learning. You know, I didn't have to go to a seminar, I didn't take a class. It was like searching on YouTube, connecting all the dots, reading various blogs, etc. And so I really do think that you can learn a lot these days, but it's not obvious where you go to. So that's why I think the idea of the digital learning system has kind of come of age. And before I tell you about how I think it's going to affect the world of learning, take a look at Amazon. So every time you log into uh, amazon.com, they make you recommendations like aggressively, like because you like these three items, you might want this item. Customers have bought this also buy this. Hey, Graham, we noticed that you're interested in this. So maybe you should buy this instead. So one of the reasons, one of the many reasons for Amazon success is that it understands you understands your interests and your intentions, and it guides you through a purchasing process. So ideally you end up with more things that make sense for you. So learning is exactly the same. So a learning platform based on the courses you're in or the courses you're teaching for that matter, your strengths, your weaknesses is in a very good position to understand what you want to learn, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and you know, where, where your direction is. So I'll give you a few scenarios. You might be um, a business person because matrix is half of our revenue. So we're just as much into K through 20 as we are into businesses. In the world of business, it might well be you know, your job is a marketing manager. You've taken these courses. Marketing managers typically have these competencies. Would you like to either you know, confirm these competencies or engage in courses that will help you down your career path? Makes total sense. Um, in the world of K through twenty, it might well be you clearly have a strength in science. It mentions here that you are interested in astrobiology as a career path. Here are some um, here are some courses. Here are some videos that might help you through your your learning journey. And so, so up until now, learning platforms have not been particularly proactive. They're like they host the material. You know, the teacher is still the primary. Way that you 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 learn through your K through 12 career, but learning platforms can not can become more your learning assistants. So we're going to be we're in 2021. All that technology is going to be in all of our platforms. So this is not some decades long journey. This is 2021, um, and I think the 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 direction is going to be these learning assistants just become smarter and smarter and better at helping you to learn stuff. So I think that's going to be the biggest, the biggest trend in learning platforms.
1: Very cool. Yes, this this is awesome. This is uh it's neat talking about this, especially since we're not talking about, you're not talking about 10 years down the road, you know, what if type stuff. So yeah. very cool. So what do you think is one of this, what do you think is a key skill that a teacher is going to have to f- figure out between, uh, now I think,
0: I think asynchronous learning is probably the biggest one. Um, you know, I mean, I used to be an educator and I think one of the biggest things that teachers can do is to inspire your students. So I'm still a big fan of technology is, is not going to take over that role. You know, so you can be in a class. Uh, and if I was teaching biology, I think I could inspire people to really love biology Whereas, you know, there are other teachers where they just grind it out. Today, we're going to study the esophagus and, and it just becomes really boring. But aside from the core skill of inspiring your students, if you're going to create a, a learning pathway for them, which is the way I kind of look at teaching, like, okay, I want to inspire you. Now, here is a really good way that you can learn all these things that you are now, you know, motivated to learn. When you create those learning pathways, you can do that in a way that people can follow those pathways wherever they are and, and whatever time of the day it is, whatever device they're on and, and keep them motivated through that pathway. And that's not something which is easy to do just in your classroom, you know, day after day after day. So I would say learning how to package up your skills in a way that can be delivered asynchronously is going to be the key skill. And there's
1: lots of ways to do that. That that that's I, I love this conversation, and I and I could I, I, and I know you know we're we're coming close to uh, finishing out, and uh, one of the things I want to make sure that I get you to, to talk about before we finish up is if, if someone wanted to to learn more about cyber cyber learning or uh, and uh, uh, about Neo, you know, where would you direct them, and uh, and specifically if you're a teacher or someone who's looking at trying to connect their school or their school system with what you're doing, where, where are you going to send them?
0: Yeah. So, so the, the website for Neo LMS, which is our product for schools and universities, is just Neo, N-E-O LMS.com. So if you go to Neo LMS.com, there's a lot of information and it's beautiful. It's like going to an Apple site. So when you go through the guided tour, it's just like learning about iPhone or, or, you know, the Apple Watch. It's really beautiful, easy to understand. We have a free, completely free version of NEO. So if you like gamification and automation and all these things, and you're a small school or an individual teacher, it's completely free. So, we, you know, we, we you can go straight to our site, click on free trial, and then get started. Obviously, it's not free if you're like a major university or a major school district. Um, but I think you can just go to neolms.com, learn all about NEO. The actual company itself, Cypher Learning, you can just go to cypherlearning.com and that tells you the story, it gives you the overview of the pre-products, tells you a little about what we are. You know, one of the coolest things about our company is that we're in 13 countries, we're a completely distributed company. So we have engineers and salespeople and edtech staff all around the world, Um, and so whoever's listening to this, if you happen to be international, I almost guarantee you we actually have an office in your country.
1: Very cool. Awesome stuff. I, I, Graham, I've got uh, two last questions I'd like to ask you. And uh, they're, they're just uh, kind of thoughts about today that I'd like uh, us to focus on for just a minute. And the first one goes like this. When life gets tough and you start getting so much stuff thrown at you that you may want to quit, how do you keep going?
0: Yeah. So first of all, that definitely happens. That's not hypothetical. Uh, and it happens that every, every entrepreneur, um, I would say the number one thing is before you start a company, make sure it's something that you really, really are passionate about. Um, so, you know, over the, over the tough years of Cipher Learning, um, I've never, ever considered quitting because I'm just so passionate about raising the bar in education and making it easier to teach and learn. Um, so I would say the biggest thing is, is the passion. Um, but the second thing is you have, to, you have to really, really believe that your product is the best. Um, and so through thick and thin, um, I never gave up because I always knew our product really is the best one out there. And when you feel that, and you, there's a matter of pride involved, you're really happy about what you've done, you know that you're improving people's lives, that really helps you to go through the tough times.
1: That's excellent advice. Love it. Uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you?
0: Well, so I, there's a couple of teachers that come to mind. The, the, there is one particular lesson that was one of the biggest lessons of, in my life from a, a teacher of mine called Basil Flashman, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. So I wasn't able to deliver this message, but Basil, if you're here, I hope you're listening. So, so he was the headmaster of my, my primary school back in the UK. So he was the headmaster from probably when I was about seven years old until uh, 12 years old. And uh, he only taught, he was always very stern. He looked a little bit like a monk, um, but he always had like a, a sneaky little smile on his face. He used to drive a motorbike to school. So he had a bit of a wild side. but all the children were scared of him because he was quite a tough guy. And my favorite moment was, uh, I was in a class of his, I think it was history. And and we always went home at 3.20. That was when all the kids were let out. Um, But then someone in the class, you know, sniggered under their breath. And so Basil Flashman stopped and said, you know, who laughed, please stand up. But everyone was too afraid, so nobody said anything. So he said, okay, if nobody confesses, then I'm going to keep you all in class after 3:20, and you're going to miss your coach home and you're going to go home late at four o'clock instead. So I remember whispering to my friends cause I was like in the middle of the class saying, that's not fair. And he said, who said that? So I, so I stood up and I said, I said that. And he said, what did you say glass share it with the rest of the class? And I said, that's not fair, sir. And he said, why don't you think that's fair? And I said, well, because most of us, you know, we didn't laugh. So why should we all be kept in class? That's not fair. And he said, you know what, Glass? You have just learned the most important lesson of your life. And I said, what's that? And he goes, life is not fair. And he's absolutely right. And the very fact that I remember this lesson, years and years and years, I just thought was fantastic. So that that is like A master educator at work. He knew exactly what to say at exactly the right time. And I will never forget that. One of the best lessons I I, I ever learned.
1: That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's so cool. I could, I could see it coming too. It's like, oh my gosh, you're walking right into them. Yeah. Yeah. Walking right into it. So that's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. Graham, it's been great talking to you today. I love your EdTech focus and uh, thanks for sharing about Cypher Learning and NEO, uh, um, NEO LMS. And uh, I'm trying to spell everything here. We got... uh, um, you know, it's and helping us look towards the future. And I, and I got, a, I love that explanation of asynchronous learning. That's uh, that's incredible as well as it's really neat when, when you start talking about this through that, that D and D dungeon master sort of thing and thinking I, I can identify with that. It makes, makes a lot more sense. So I appreciate it. And, and it's
0: a lot more fun thinking about education when you, when you think of it through that kind of lens.
1: It really is. That's cool. Something
0: like the game. How do you make it fun and mysterious and unexpected? You know?
1: It, it's it's excellent because that's you know that's that's always been my experience you know it's, you walk around the corner next thing you know is you know you know four by four room that has no doors no windows and 10 rats you know it's nice you know <laughs> thank you yeah. uh, and
0: and steven on my side it's been a pleasure and it's always nice to meet a fellow D enthusiast
1: Pleasure meeting you too, Graham. And this is, this is cool. This has been an awesome talk and uh, keep on building the, the Legos and uh, keep on building your, your company. This is awesome. Looking forward to all this, this stuff you got going for the future here. So, uh, and uh, keep, keep uh, looking towards those uh, beyond the five-year mission. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Graham.
0: Okay. Thanks, Stephen.
1: Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here.